This is the People's Podcast with Anthony Zambito and Lucy Chan. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the newest edition of the People's Podcast. I am your co-host, Anthony Zambito, and with me as always is the super jealous because she wasn't in Ottawa two weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen, Lucy Chan. Give it up. Hey everyone, I am jealous. I still am jealous, but I may be able to go to the convoy in a couple of weeks. I may be able to do a girl's trip to the convoy. Shouts. So fingers crossed. Let's go. Shouts out to that. And with us today, I am super excited for this guest because he is a fellow PPC candidate for the riding of Fort York's Medina. And he was also in Ottawa two weeks ago. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Ian Roden. Hey, <laughs> I'm doing snaps. Hi, hi, welcome. how are you guys? Good, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, hey Lucy, I, I thought you were a big convoy person. I, I wanted to go, but I had so, I, I couldn't go because I was actually still dealing with bronchitis. Like I had COVID, I had <laughs> uh, Omicron mm-hmm. and I still, and I developed uh, low key bronchitis. So I, I literally couldn't go. I was coughing up, a, you know, a hacking up a lung, so. But I was super jealous. It's, like, it's an old like Simpsons joke, the, the convoy. And it's just one of those things that you never think you'd be a part of. Like, we need to get a convoy going. And then lo and behold, the one opportunity, you miss it. But yeah, there, there'll be other convoys. <laughs> I, think this, I think this convoy is going to go on for quite some time, knowing how Justin yeah. is triple quadrupling, quintupling whatever all the other tumplings down down he is with um with meeting them so yeah i think that yeah there's going to be other convoys but there's definitely going to be other weekends and speaking of other convoys um we are recording this on february 9th currently there's two other convoys in ontario that i know of one in windsor one in sarnia all inspired because of what's happening in ottawa right now that's right mm-hmm. people rise up I think the Windsor one is even bigger than Ottawa. When when you think about it, the Ottawa one is going to annoy. It's going to get attention. It's going to annoy bureaucrats. But the Windsor one—that's twenty-five percent of our trade. That everyone, if this drags out, everyone is going to feel this uh, big time. Yeah, I'm already prepping for it. I'm already prepping. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to buy a lot of rice. I'm going to buy a lot of beans. So I'm going to be eating a lot of rice and beans for the next. <laughs> As long as it doesn't goes bad, uh, you know, if we could freeze it, obviously that works out. Anything in the can yeah. works out. Uh, I like a lot of Fresca. Yeah, I like Fresca. You introduced me to Fresca, actually, Ian, when I went to your house over the holidays. Oh, I have a Fresca addiction. It's a big problem. <laughs> I like three a day. Yeah, but the... um. The, yeah, there's an, there's also another convoy that is happening in Alberta, Coots. Yes, I heard That's about that getting, too. Yeah. It's not getting yeah. a lot of media attention, but it is huge. So that one there, like from what I've seen, it's being covered pretty well by Rebel News, but the mainstream media will not touch upon it at all. And I think the reason why is because of the effect that it had in Alberta. Um, recently, we just heard Jason Kenney is announcing the end to the vaccine passport. Um, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with the pressure that's been raised by these truckers currently sitting at the Alberta Montana border. Mm-hmm. It's such it's truckers, and I believe it's also now cowboys, literally cowboys with 
their um, hats and their horses, which is in many ways kind of hot. Um, <laughs> like gotta love Alberta, there. the Texas of Canada. <laughs> Shouts out, go Stampeders and go Eskimos. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I heard though that they, they're still not going, like Kenny hasn't capitulated enough for them. They're still holding oh. out because he's gotten rid of it for city facilities or it, it, he's still being like mealy mouthed about it. It's not a 100% like a lot of US red states where they said they're outlawing a vaccine passport. He's still saying, hey, if you're a restaurant, we encourage you to use it or he, not, maybe not encourage, yeah. but he's not going to dictate how certain businesses use it. And I, a lot of the media is still pushing this, hey, would you feel comfortable going to a restaurant that doesn't enforce it? So I, I don't think he's been emphatic enough. He has not been. And also, uh, well, I was going to say something else. He still has his emergency powers. And also he has been pushing the vaccine, saying that we should, that, you know, every, it's an annual shot. You should get one shot every single year. But I'm like, that's like the flu shot. Do you enforce a flu shot every single year? No. Um, and by the way, everybody, I did have COVID. Like I mentioned ever to everybody before I had Omicron, it was a cold. It was a mild cold that lasted five days and I got bronchitis, which I always get. And my husband had it too. It was a mild cold for him. During the day, I took extra strength Advil. At night, I took an extra strength Benelin to knock me out to go to sleep and I was fine. I worked throughout the entire um, uh, Omicron experience and it was fine. And I lost a couple pounds. Praise the Lord, you know. Wow, that sounds you didn't awful. Go into <clears throat> Pardon? You didn't go into hiding. I didn't go into hiding. I didn't. I didn't do it. I did. Um, I didn't go outside because it, it was also during the cold freeze here in Ontario, where it was like literally minus eighteen. So you know, I didn't just. I just didn't want to go outside because it was that cold. But no, it was. It was. It was fine. But back to Kenny. Yeah, he also. He's still pretty. He said that you know, if the cases go up or whenever I will, I will implement this again. So it's not, it's, uh, it's still, he has his foot on people's necks. He just slightly lifted the pressure, but it's, it's not much. Let, and let's that's remember, like a hundred percent with all of that. And let's remember too, like at the end of the day, Kenny's a politician and, you know, he really uh, lifted vaccine restrictions or rather um, vaccine passports but he's still facing opposition from the other side. For instance, I'm hearing that Alberta teachers now don't want to go into school on Monday because they think uh, it's going to be unsafe. Like teaching yeah. kids is going to be unsafe. And yeah. uh, they think that they, you know, they want to enforce their, their rights safely as a result of trying to take legal action against Kenny. So, you know, shouts out to Kenny for at least taking this step. We still have a long way to go. And, you know, I wish him good luck as he faces these upcoming political ba uh, battles. I might not agree with everything he says, but I, I really hope that Oprah can pull through here. I was just saying the one good thing about what's happening, it's highlighting the class divide. Mm -hmm. And I'll just tell a quick story. of. So I have a friend. He is a uh, doctor in Cochrane, Ontario, which is about eight hours north of Toronto. Um, and he, you know, you wear many hats such as, since it's such a small town. And uh, so the hospital, just tiny, tiny, tiny hospital. And one night this, you know, this big rig pulls up and uh, this, he was working the ER and this guy comes in, he's like, I'm, I'm having chest pains, major chest pains. And uh, lo and behold, the guy's having a, a full blown heart attack and he's been having a heart attack for a while. And so he, he asks the trucker, um, you know, how long have you been feeling this way? He's like, well, since I started my route, it's like, okay, where did you start your route? Vancouver. 
Wow. <laughs> so That's this a, guy drove from Vancouver to Cochrane, Ontario, while having a heart attack, wanted to finish his route. Uh, he had to be airlifted to Thunder Bay. But it just shows, like, the, you know, there, there's a classified, what these truckers, like, they just want to work and be left alone. You know, and, and the teachers, it's it's almost a complete opposite. They cannot leave it alone. They have to just keep poking the bear and keep, uh, they can't stop with their with their full-on offense of, of gaining whatever leverage they can in their contract cost. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. actually, that's all, that's across the board. It's not just here in Ontario um, or in um, Alberta, but in Canada, but it's also in America too. Uh, in California, I know in Virginia, they did that too. Uh, so Virginia now has a Republican governor uh, and he has lifted all, all the mandates, including the mask mandates. And one school board in Virginia said, no, we're going to sue. We still want it. We're going to defy you. And then the attorney general said, no, you're, we're, it's, it's all going to. But they were, they were creating a hoopla. There, I have to say, we should do an episode, Anthony, in the future about teachers unions and teachers nowadays, because they're not the teachers that I grew up with. Like I had, I'm an older millennial, as I keep on telling the audience. And I was at the tail end. I actually still had teachers who were nearing retirement, um, who were, uh, who were, who were the old school, the old guard, they were tough. They yelled at you. They, if you didn't do your homework, they literally would slam a book on the table. Like, hey, what do you mean? You know? <laughs> yeah. Let, Nobody, honestly. you know, like just like made you feel shame, you know, the good stuff. And, and, you know, uh, this, this new breed of teachers that we have, these wokeettes, wokers and wokeettes, these wokies mm -hmm. have um, destroyed uh, uh, children's education and dumb them down and i think that's a future episode but anyways we should get back to <laughs> I, the, I want in on that i want the, the ontario teachers pension plan is on the world economic forum they're members well, there you go yeah. Let us talk about that after this episode, because right now I really want to talk uh, and share with you guys my experience in Ottawa a couple of weeks yes. ago. Make me jealous. Yeah, this entire conversation we're having right now, it all stems from this Ottawa convoy. So, um, yeah, I, I honestly, the convoys made me proud to be Canadian. And it was so funny because while I was in Ottawa in my hotel, I'm watching the mainstream media and they're literally dispelling lies. I could look out my window and I could see that what they're saying is not true. Um, and Ian, I'm sure you could say the same thing. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, just the entire day was pretty much, number one, I felt safe the entire time. Um, you know, the, the media is trying to make it look like it's an insurrection type of situation. But the reality is it's not, um, you know, especially two weeks ago when we were there, Canadians were just happy to see each other, to be outside again, you know, to celebrate their country again. Uh, it was really uplifting to see. So, so as soon as we got to Ottawa, uh, we took the little LRT train into uh, downtown. We rented a, a house, a bunch of us, um, maybe 15 minutes outside of downtown. Mm -hmm. And the... The guy who helped run my campaign, my friend, a friend of mine, his name is Wayne. He's not white. And uh, as soon as we get on the train, uh, there's three other not white people and they all have Canada flags and um, stuff. So he just walks up to them. And he says, hey, look at us, a couple of white supremacists. And they laughed and uh, they are uh, they, they were union heads and they they are union heads and they specifically represented the BIPOC 
uh, people in their union. Now, have you guys heard the term BIPOC? Yes, I have. Yeah. Have you, Anthony? Yeah. I Should have, we just but what is, Yeah, what does it stand for again? Yeah, so I, I hate all these terms to me. It's just another way to divide people, but it's uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color. And so they represented the BIPOC people in their union. They're BIPOC themselves. And uh, their union told them to go fly a kite. They told them uh, that essentially get vaccinated or you're fired. Um, so so it's, it's wow. really, it is bringing people together. <laughs> and it's, it's funny, it's, um, it's, they've tried to divide us, but it seems like everything they're doing is, is waking people up and bringing people together. And I, I think that's why people are feeling so much pride because you're seeing your neighbors kind of speaking up. And the truckers, it's, it's like everyone's neighbor. You know, when you see the big convoy, everyone is it looks like is, is getting on board yeah it's so funny because the liberals always uh toot diversity and inclusivity but let me tell you the protest that i saw in ottawa was the most diverse and the most inclusive event i had ever seen in my entire life throughout the weekend i think i met at least one person from every province i've never been able to do that before and um yeah, again, you know, this myth that, uh, you know, the, the white supremacists there. No, the reality is, you know, you're seeing people, you know, of all different nationalities, all they want is freedom. And it's so nice to see them unify around the Canadian flag because that's what it was meant to represent. Mm -hmm. And you really do, I feel bad for the people who are kind of captured by the mainstream media unbeknownst to them like i was talking to a friend of mine today he's he's an immigrant from syria he came long before the war he's been in canada i think 15 years so at, at least so i know he he immigrated here before um syria broke out into serious conflict and he had to go he's kind of not political he, he he just wants to keep his nose clean he's an engineer and he had to go down and see for himself what it was all about and talk to people and <laughs> you, know, mm -hmm. you know, are you a white supremacist and, and go up because he he saw the Nazi flag that, that they, they put out. He saw the um, Confederate flag that the paid agitators mm -hmm. were, were holding. So um, it, it is one of those things you almost have to go down and see it because the media is doing their, you know, full court press on propaganda. I have I know people who are completely um, believing the mainstream media narrative to the point where uh, I follow this guy and we're kind of friends and he on the weekend he just posted like a just a myriad of Instagram stories and the final Instagram story was like f all these Nazis and blah 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 and said he and he wrote down if it takes me for the rest of my life to put um, boosters in and wear a mask for the rest of my life and show a QR code, I will do it. I will do it for future generations. And I'm just like, dude, that's communism. I'm like, yeah. I, I, Completely I was just enveloped like, by the state. Yeah. And I was just like, are he, he's that far gone. He's that far gone out. And I, and I felt so, my, I, I had a mixture, I'm sure you guys do too, of emotions, like anger, frustration, but ultimately I felt heartbroken and sad for him because he's in this lie, this lie of utter uh, depravity and hate. And it's not, it's, and, and I know that he's suffering from mental health issues. He actually posted something three weeks ago saying how much he can't afford, uh, uh, therapy sessions because they were $150 an hour. However, then he bought $1,500 worth of sneakers. And I was just like, dude, but I didn't say anything because again, that's not my place. 
but I was just like, um, yeah, I, I just feel so lost. For, I just feel so, my heart does actually, I feel more sorrow for them. I used to feel anger because I'm like, how do you do it? But then I, it's, you, I, you know, I was once caught up in that, you know, in mainstream media as well. And I fortunately broke free of the matrix. So the, the idiot, idiotic thing about turning into a race issue or, or what, what they, they can't, again, the hypocrisy of the left is they've been trying to push this narrative that um, you can't be racist against white people because racism is all about power. And so it's it's all about power and it doesn't really have to do with race per se. Um, and, you know, white people created all these institutions and white people are, are the ones uh, oppressing everyone. Well, where is the power dynamic between a bunch of truckers who <laughs> who, who kind of are, are uh, not a, a cohesive unit necessarily yep. being stepped on by the government and media machine? the elitist, the elite, elite government and media machine, billion dollar corporations, because truckers are kind of independent contractors. So it's it's literally a bunch of independent contractors, like an Uber driver or like whatever, being just trying to be crushed by the elite and the government and the media. And let's not remember that a huge portion of truckers, especially in the GTA, are Sikh or perhaps Muslim. You know, it's, it's a job that is, you know, uh dominated by uh the immigrant you know immigrant workers you know they come here searching for a better life and they they find themselves uh you know uh, in this industry so for everybody who's saying you know that there's white supremacy afoot here i invite you to go to ottawa and see for yourself the diversity and inclusivity of the protests mm-hmm. you know? um and i do have one question for you um mm-hmm. you vandalized the terry fox statue <laughs> no, it was, not not this time. I, I was saying we we, t- we talked about this uh, earlier. How I I'm from Ottawa, and I always I loved Canada Day, and I love just getting. It was an excuse to get wasted and go downtown when you're 18, <laughs> 19, and and it, it was just a, a ton of fun. But with that, uh, you had bar fights, bar brawls. People would just just general mischief smashing things you know climbing lampposts um just all sorts of crazy stuff there'd be tons of arrests on canada day and this was 10 times safer uh and just more uh good spirited than any candidate it seemed like such a fantastic party and after being cooped up for two years i and i'm not a party girl i wanted to go out and party I was just like, yes, I want, honestly, I was talking to, I was at a Bible study yesterday and there was, and I was just like, I just want to get lit. I was just telling everybody, I'm just like, I just want to go and have fun and see people and dance and just jump around. And, uh, and yeah, it just looked like the best Canada party. And, and Nancy, let me, let me tell you this too. There's a huge difference between what's happening in Ottawa, as opposed to what happened in, let's say, Seattle. Of last year during the Black Lives Matter yeah. uh, riots. Reason being is because in places like, for instance, the uh, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone that set itself up on uh, in the United States, there were reports of violence happening. There were reports of overdoses happening. There were, you know, it was dirty. There were needles on the streets. If you go to Wellington Street right now in Ottawa, the most you're going to see is somebody walking around with a casual beer. Uh, you're going to see people shooting off fireworks. And for the most part, you're just going to see people walking around, cooking food, having a good time. And like you said, just dancing with speakers. It really does feel like a party. 
as opposed to uh, you know something insidious. What's uh, that's a great example of uh, the autonomous zone in Seattle because they were there to say the left. This is what's crazy about the left. They'll um, come. Someone from the left will come out and say something direct. You'll own nothing and be happy, and, and they'll be like, no, no, that's not what they mean. But then someone on the right, like Maxim, will do like a thumbs up, and they'll be like, he's channeling Hitler because a thumbs up is a new, uh, you, you know, it's a new way of signaling high Hitler. Like they'll read, it's a dog whistle or mm -hmm. everything's a dog whistle. So in Chaz Chop, they said, hey, we're coming and we're staying. We're taking over this place and, and uh, creating our own utopia or whatever they want. The, the summer of love. <laughs> it was actually endorsed by Seattle's government. Remember the yeah, summer of love? Yeah, by the mayor. She said it was. This, this is the summer of love. I seriously doubt women getting sexually assaulted is a summer of love. I don't think that's like that's the kind of love that us um, creatures named women with uteruses and vaginas and ovaries because people need to realize that that's what a woman is. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, want that type of love? Like, well, that's not what we want i'm going to put that out there well the truckers no. i'm just saying like the truckers want to leave they do not want to stay there one minute like past what they have to stay um and yeah. and they're i wouldn't say they're probably not the ones partying as much you know the uh, no the supporters no. are coming to part i think the party i think the truckers are just is it yeah they're fed up and they, they probably want to leave and get back to their families asap they do not want to stay that's where it's it's so ludicrous they call it an occupation they do not want government control they don't want to stay they want the government to leave them alone yeah and in addition to that too um like let's take into account a lot of these truckers they don't have anything to go back to you know like some of them have no choice except to be there um in addition to that too so i found like you were saying you know it kind of felt like a party arriving the first weekend of the ottawa convoy right i found that when i was leaving on monday the, euphor the euphoria was almost gone and you're right you know i think the reality set in you know the truckers especially you know they're gonna get cold they're gonna get hungry how are we gonna coordinate logistics um yeah it, it did feel great it, you know being there saturday sunday but you know the reality is this is a protest it's a you know it's a party and we're happy you know it's great to see people having a great time but the reality mm -hmm. is the truckers are there with mission and that mission is to end all mandates across canada yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them don't want to leave until that happens. And I think that is a great line in the sand to draw. It's a great start. I'm hoping that mandates can get lifted. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, provinces as well as the nation can get out of this emergency order that we are stuck in and hoping it eventually can lead to resignations. I'm hoping it and especially, especially, I'm hoping that it remains peaceful and non-compliant because that is the key to all of this. Literally, nobody wants violence in this situation. It, it does nothing for anybody. These people just want well, to... There's, there's, there's a man named Justin Trudeau who wants violence. Yeah, yeah. Oh, at this point, yeah, with his rhetoric and his divisive tone, I mean, like, comparing unvaccinated, saying that, you know, they have unacceptable views, trying to make it look like everybody who got vaccinated um, is against people who are unvaccinated. Let me tell you this story. This, this actually happened. Uh, I was outside my hotel room and I happened to be talking with somebody who just came in, who was from Alberta. And I said, oh, yeah, were you part of the convoy? You know what he said? He said, actually, no, I flew in. I flew in from Alberta. I'm double vaccinated and I am so tired of this BS. I got the vaccines to travel. 
and no other reason. And now Trudeau keeps pretending like I hate all unvaccinated people when it's not the case. And that's yeah, just what that's that's, one, that's my that's one of my good friends as well. She and her husband took the vaccine because they want to get back to normal life. She's has turned fifty. Uh, last year was supposed to be her big 50 year. They were, she was supposed to go to the Galapagos. She was supposed to go to Austria. She was supposed, it was her big year to travel around the world and, you know, her big, and, and that's why she took the vaccine because she wanted to like, I want to do my, I spent a lot of time and she has money, God bless her, um, to, to celebrate this way. And she's like, and then she, she couldn't. But she she got the vaccine and she did go to the Galapagos for the holidays this um, this past December. But, you know, I don't uh, she and she would like to go to Barbados and stuff like that. But I, I she goes, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I have to be triple vaccinated. She goes, I don't even know if I want it anymore because everybody I knew had COVID. Like everybody, everybody was vaxxed or unvaxxed. Everybody got COVID this December and January. She's like, so it doesn't really matter. Like, so and if I even get it. I'm going to be locked down still like, but I mean, I can't even, you know, I'm, I'm I, what's she's like, I don't, there's no point. And I'm like, yeah, there, it's not, it's not about have, be, having common sense or having sound, you know, uh, mm-hmm. policies based on science. This is about a power. This is a power grab. At the, that's, that's all it is. It's a power grab. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Everyone wants to travel. I, I don't know. Like I love traveling, but I don't want to go through the nightmare of, it's not fun to me going anywhere and seeing people in masks and, and going to a new country. And it's like, if I'm going to the Galapagos and they start being Nazis on me about masks and this and that and testing, it's like, it's just sucks the life out of everything. That's why Ottawa was so fun because you could just tell you were the people who just, they don't care anymore. You don't need to even have that. You know, everyone has to have that kind of uh, feeling out process when you meet someone new, like is, is this person sane or insane yeah are they they captured or they uh or they on the level here and uh so so it was just so great being in ottawa because you could just tell everyone when they met they were just smiling because they knew they knew that everyone was just hey let's get back we are the true ones who want to get back to normal Mm -hmm. honestly being in ottawa made me proud to be canadian for the first time since the vancouver olympics and speaking of the Olympics, that is another huge story that is happening yes. right now. What are your thoughts on everything that is happening in Beijing? Well, I can. I, I'm going to start first and foremost. As most of you guys know, I'm a big tennis fan, and in November, December, a famous uh, doubles player from China, Peng Shui, she posted something on her social media on her WeChat, saying that she was sexually assaulted by a high-ranking C, uh, CCP uh, general or VP or whatever it is. And, and then she went missing mm-hmm. for That's several right. weeks. And so that is one of the things that kicked off uh, the controversy to the Beijing Olympics is where's Peng Shui. And then they put out a fake interview with her. Like, you know, she looked like she lost a lot of weight. Like if you follow tennis, she's, she's not a big girl, but you know, she has muscle to her and, you know, she looked like she lost 10, 12 pounds. Um, it's all these fake um, comments coming out saying I'm fine and blah, blah, blah. Even though no one's has seen her, mm-hmm. you know, nobody. And, and, and so that, and the hashtag where's Peng Shui started trending all over social media. And so that was one of the things that started this controversy. Well, <clears throat> with, with the Beijing Olympics and I believe November. So that, that happened before the Olympics, but it's been carrying yeah, over. It's been carrying over. 
but I know that there's other things that have happened uh, with the Beijing Olympics. I personally have not watched any of it. I, I, I just, I, I, I've seen images. Um, I am half Chinese, uh, but I, I am not down with the CCP. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know that and, CCP? Yeah, you yeah. know me. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, I, I personally have boycotted it. I, I, I kind of don't care. It looks, and also it just looks sad. It looks like a really sad party. Like the Olympics is supposed to be something that's uplifting and uh, joyous, you know, and people coming together and just cheering people on and going, do your best, do your best, kick ass. And, and, you know, people having Olympic parties and stuff like that. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel that way this year at all. I, I think it's, I love, love the Olympics. I, I love all sports. I watch sports pretty much 24 seven. I don't watch shows. I watch sports, um, all sports. Uh, I don't discriminate really. Um, and uh, just seeing it to every ounce of snow that I've seen has been like, I've just seen snippets here and there um, has been made or pictures even has been made artificially. Every mm. ounce of snow it is the most artificial, like, um, it's the most artificial Olympics that, that or any or not even or spectacle. Like it just is fake. Everything is fake uh, about it. And I, it's just looks gross. It looks gross on TV. You know, the, the whole thing about the winter Olympics is, you know, the kind of winter wonderland thing. Everything is, yeah. is uh, you know, you've got, you're in a place where it's natural, where it's, it's, it's uh, you're, you're dealing with the elements, but it just looks so fake. And, and I find it so funny because remember Trudeau back in 2013, it seems like they all want to model China. His reason for wanting to model China is because they can turn on a dime to deal with the climate. I don't think there could be a bigger waste than creating artificial snow. I, I in fact, when I when I go skiing, I just don't like the look of it and the the sound. It's just kind of it, it's so again, I just it's such a waste of energy to make snow. <laughs> it yeah, it's so crazy. So um, I think that that's what's it's. And it kind of just is a picture perfect of um, their hypocrisy. They they claim to care about the environment, and you're having the Olympics in a place where you have to manufacture all the snow. It's it's crazy. I, I love when they pan out of the city of Beijing. You look at it, and you just see like you don't see any snow on the ground. Like you're saying, you're just seeing a bunch of gray streets, gray buildings, and you know empty looking trees, probably spelled down. Like there's nothing wintry about it. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Uh, in addition to that, too, I'm also hearing reports some athletes have been complaining about their meals, saying that they've either been served cold, saying that they've been eating the same meals for days in a row, saying that you know some athletes are even claiming that they've been losing weight, if you can believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now, that, that seems to be every Olympics. There's always some issue with the athletes village or the food. Or the, like, I find that that's kind of uh, maybe some. I have no idea, but some that there's always posturing of that nature, you know, where the country yeah, could be, yeah, maybe they're just complete, uh, you know, blaming their performance on some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of uh, crappy meal that they received. But I wouldn't put it past China to, you know, to basically serve, you know, crappy food to, to Olympic uh, opponent or rivaling Olympic athletes. What, what were you going to say, tactic. Lucy? That's a great tactic. But I also just wanted to, rem to remind everybody, if you remember Nancy Pelosi's warning to American uh, American athletes going to Beijing, that don't say anything about your views, don't speak, don't, you know, just basically keep 
keep quiet and just do your, you know, just do your job and then come back. I'm like, that's not safe. That's not reassuring to an athlete. You know, I mean, say one athlete gets drunk and says, you know, fuck the CCP or gets drunk and says, where's Peng Shui? And then all of a sudden, like, boom, like all the henchmen come out of the woodwork and just start, you know, taking clubs and beating you and and tasing you and stuff and sending you to a a re-education camp. I mean, that just kind of, in my opinion, sucks the fun out of it. It just sucks the Olympic spirit. You know what? (laughs) Lucy, it looks like a lot of people agree with you. I'm just looking at this point. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, this post here, Breitbart. NBC Universal's uh, Olympic coverage is on track for the lowest rated winter games in history. Now, mind you, Breitbart doesn't even call the Winter Olympics the Winter Olympics. They call them the genocide games. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, according to, I'm not sure if this is like specifically for the United States or specifically just for NBC, but apparently they're on track for it to be the lowest rated Winter Olympic Games in history. And that's uh, that's shocking considering the country that it's in. You would think that the, you know, these American rivalry would spark some sort of, you know, interest, but that hasn't happened. Hmm. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I think the, the highlight of this Olympic for me was watching Team Canada and Team Russia face off in women's hockey, and they had to wear masks, or they came to a compromise to wear masks during the game because the Olympic officials couldn't clarify that everyone had negative COVID tests. Now, that was ridiculous to me. I, I don't get the – if you're afraid of COVID – you don't travel halfway across the world. Like it should be a, um, it, it totally highlights the stupidity of it. You know, you, your own, your risk should be up to you. So if I'm afraid, I maybe don't leave my city or, and then my, once I get more comfortable, I leave my country and blah, blah, blah. But it seems like a lot of these people, they want to leave and go across the world and do all this stuff. But then they always want everyone to, abide by these ridiculous rules where it's it should be the opposite it should be if you want all these ridiculous rules you stay home and figure your own stuff out and let everyone else it's it's just so bizarre that people are so hell-bent on these rules but then don't mind traveling halfway across the world yeah maybe it's just that homo life but i also just wanted to say like i mean everybody's just you know everybody's wanting to go to this olympics and after the past two years you're just really wanting to go to the country that destroyed the world for the past two years and you unleash this virus that you know which seems all point um all evidence now points to that it was man-made in a wuhan lab uh you just want to go to that country where they literally have concentration camps for uh uyghur muslims and they're organ harvesting and they're gang raping women and they are doing forced sterilizations forced abortions uh slave labor uh torture physical and mental torture i'm like that's you want to go there and honestly like i I could see that the athletes are there and i see that families are there but it doesn't look like the majority of the world wants to go there now i don't know if china's covid policies have limited the amount of people that can attend these winter games but it is so depressing watching a curling match or a hockey match or or any event really and seeing the stands half full yeah so have have um are they limiting capacity at the venues or are people just not going that is a question for google let me research that one and let's see what i can find real quick and anyways uh it's just it's it just doesn't seem 
boisterous and, and joyful. Like you just, when, you, when I think of the Olympics, I think of joy, mm-hmm. just pure joy, you know, just an excitement and pride. And you just, you just don't feel it. I mean, I don't even know, like, I don't even know who's going there. Like from, from the team Canada, like which figure skaters are going. I'm like, I don't know. This is a completely uh, off track, but <laughs> kind of similar, but my wife watches 90 day fiance. Have you guys seen that? I've heard of 98 yep. fiance. Okay. So it's a show about uh, Americans who uh, meet foreigners online. And then they, I don't know. There's, I don't know the, the exact details, but they have like 90 days to propose them to, to apply for a certain visa or it's just one of those crazy TLC uh, mindless shows. But um, so there's a Chinese uh, character or a, you know, a guy in China and he's met an American woman and they kind of profile the people before they finally meet them because they've only met online and he hasn't met this girl in Kansas or wherever the heck she is. And it's just in, in China, it seems like COVID does not exist at all. So, so maybe in the Olympics, they're trying to put on a show, but in the show, they talk about how COVID is bad in America, but they're in a restaurant, no one's wearing a mask, the staff isn't wearing a mask, and they're, they're talking, oh, should you even go to America because they have such an issue with COVID? So it's, it's crazy the amount of propaganda that maybe we, like, we can't really even see inside of China that much because they're, they have such a tight lid on things. Um, so I was, surpri- I was surprised by that, that, um, that it basically it didn't exist there from what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Going, going back to the research that I was doing real quick. So I'm on a website, the stadiumbusiness.com says that Beijing 2020 organizers are targeting 30% venue capacity. That was written the 1st of February. Looks like their goal is to have it 30% full, which leaves a lot of empty seats. And it says... It doesn't even look like they are issuing tickets. Like people can't buy tickets to attend. It looked like the Beijing 2020 team. Yeah. Beijing 2022 confirming last month that tickets would not be sold. Instead, a program will be launched whereby invited spectators will make up the attendance. So even if you travel to China right now, there's no guarantee you'd be able to watch any events. Sounds like communism. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought that a communist country would be so communist? (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like exactly what Justin Trudeau loves. Because remember, he has said he admires China. Yeah, think about it. Trudeau likes what's going on right now in Beijing, by his own admission. Well, he is the son of a communist. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, like, in the, in the past week and a half, online, on social media, everyone has been talking about Justin Trudeau and posting the, the Fidel Castro and um, pictures of him side by side. People are calling him Castro Jr. Uh, you know, it's just uh, Justin Castro, just everywhere. Candace Owens tweeted twice yesterday. Um, it was a, a, during a segment in Taco Carlson last week. It was a very, very prominent uh, right wing pundits or have been talking about it tweeting about it so it is becoming mainstream just giving to our audience it mm-hmm. this conspiracy theory which in my personal opinion it is true you can I think that I'm an idiot but I have I did do the the um uh, timeline and his wife and his wife and his mom was let's be honest a hoe so <laughs> she was not allegedly she said it in her book in her first book she said she slept with jack nicholson with two rolling stone members ted kennedy at a state dinner in front of 
uh, uh, her husband, Pierre, she, uh, uh, Ryan, uh, uh, Ryan O'Neill, she slept, she slept with, she, she, it's all public knowledge. So what I'm saying is not wrong. Like, I'm not saying she said in her book that she like slept with all these people uh, and more and other ones that she doesn't even remember, like, you know, uh, you know, while she was married to Pierre. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not, it's not far-fetched for me saying no. that word. No, hundred percent. And it's not far-fetched that, yeah, she, it, no, absolutely. If she's, she's on the record, it's not, uh, it's, it's common knowledge. Yeah. And also, uh, she has said in her first book, <coughs> excuse me, COVID, COVID, that, everyone put on your yeah, mask. That Castro was the sexiest man she's ever met. Oh Gosh. my goodness. Have you wow. read this book? Did you read the book? I, I've read snippets of the book. I'm trying to find it online. I'm looking for it on eBay and also because I want this book because I want the documentation in my hands. Wow. Mrs. Yeah, Trudeau, you naughty thing. Who would have thought? Um, you know, you know what else is surprising too? So I came across this not too long ago on Twitter. Did you know that Justin Trudeau has a half brother who's been quite vocal, uh, you know, speaking out against him, Mr. Kyle Kemper. I don't know if any um, of you guys have been following him, but yeah, he calls out his brother quite a bit. Uh, I believe, um, our special guest today knows Kyle. Ian, do you want to take it away? Yeah. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was part of like this, the same friend, um, we were friends in university. Uh, we, we we weren't like best friends, but I was roommates with him uh, for four months, uh, subletting because I did co-op, so we were always moving in and out. And um, yeah, we've 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 kind of lost touch. But since I joined the, he's a big PPC fan, and since I've joined the PPC, he's he's reached out and he's definitely on board. He has he was really big into Bitcoin way back when. And I think that Bitcoin is a big eye opener for a lot of people. That that's a bridge, I think, also um, against tyranny. But I, again, I'm not a Bitcoin expert, but it's a lot of people who like Bitcoin. They see it as a way to thwart the central banks. And and if you look at what is going on now, it does seem like a lot of it is created because of it's all finance. You know, follow the money. It's all about finances. And us going off the gold standard was a Essentially, we put when we went off the gold standard. You put all the power into the central banks. They print money when they see fit. They, if they have the right, you know, if they want to solve the climate, they're going to print more money. If they want to solve COVID, they're going to print more money. Um, it has nothing to do with checks and balances and doing the right thing and being responsible. So yeah, he's a big Bitcoin guy, and um, he's still he's not attacking him and being mean spirited about it either. He's he's kind of coming at it from a place of love. So. Wow. That's the, the Thanksgiving dinners must be awkward, though. <laughs> so he said today, I saw him in an interview that he hasn't spoken to him for quite a while. So it, I, I guess I'm, I'm pretty I'm guessing that's true. Yeah. Not since Thanksgiving, obviously. <laughs> and you want to know what's crazy? So you want to know what's crazy, Dewey, and just talking about it because you mentioned uh, a Bitcoin and, you know, central bank printing money. Inflation is at is the highest it's ever been in my lifetime currently in Canada. And right now, again, on February 9th, it's normal to see gas being sold at $1.58 a liter. That is the highest, again, it's ever been in my 28 years on this planet. Yeah, so I'm not too happy about that. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you have to look at, it just seems like it's obvious that it's the money printing. As much as they tried to 
saying inflation is transitory and all that's it's just it's completely anyone with half a brain can see if you print a ton of money you're going to put a strain on everything in them in the meantime well the problem with the comment that you just said is that most people don't have half brains now well well i think or and they're being manipulated the media yeah. is is they don't have time maybe to look into it I think it's because of the education system, to be honest with you. Most people are not, don't have a proper education anymore in the public school systems. They're not taught a basic economy. They're not taught basic history. They're not taught uh, basic biology, human biology. Like I was, when everybody was like so frightened of COVID in 2020 and in the beginning of 2021, I wasn't because I'm just, they're like, why are you not afraid? I'm like, it's a respiratory virus. It works like this. I'm like, how did you know this? I'm like, I took grade 11 human biology. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes. I, I know how this works. I'm like, I'm not a doctor, obviously. Uh, but I, you know, I took a regular grade 11 high school human biology class. And I just know the basics. And I'm just like, well, this is how it's going to work. And this is how a virus works. Because I learned what a virus, you know, the difference between a virus and bacteria infection and how and how they work in the body and what it does. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I was just, and so I was never, ever frightened of COVID. Even in the beginning, my friends were like, why are you so blase about it? I'm like, give it to me. I'm like, bring it on COVID. I could handle right. it. And I kept on saying the same joke. I'm like, I'll lose three, four pounds. What's wrong with that? You know? Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say about Kyle is, uh, sorry, back to Kyle. No, no, no. Yeah. I'd yeah, like to know more about Kyle. Yeah. yeah. This, I want to this, this is an into the Trudeau family. Well, he, he's, uh, you would never know that he was a uh, high profile. He was, he did not flaunt money. I don't know his money situation, did not flaunt money, did not flaunt status, uh, would talk to anyone, uh, very like, uh, he, he wasn't, um, above anyone. I'll, I'll so I'll give, uh, I'll give him that, that it's, he's for what it's worth, at least that's the type of person he was. He's, he's not, uh, cause I think he's, He's only coming out of the woodwork to talk about it now. At the, I don't think he wants to be doing this, but I think that it's one of those things where it's it's like everyone else, where your your humanity takes over, where it's like something's wrong and I need to say something. So I, I don't think he he does look a somewhat uncomfortable, kind of going on the record to, to bash his brother, let's say. But he he also knows he, Trudeau is a puppet. He, he's not. It's not him who's doing everything he's being it's almost this, it's the same with Ford. it seems these people are puppets are being put in this position and no one can <laughs> no one knows exactly why we all have our theories and we all pretty much know why it's just that no one knows that 100 why the heck they're doing this you know not for anything kyle kemper is sounding like he'd make a great guest for the people's podcast yeah yeah i think <laughs> he will make I'm a sure great candidate he would actually make a great candidate for the PPC. Like he should run and it'll be like, it'll be such a firestorm in the media, his brother, his half brother and Trudeau going against each other in opposite parties, totally, totally opposite outlooks on how to, how to run government and how to uh, run people. I mean, it'll, it'll be awesome. I mean, I heard that Kyle was writing a book and it was coming out this year about how he's against his brother's policies or something like that, or, Oh, that that I don't know, but he he does live in California. But um, yeah, that that I'm not sure uh, about his book. Shouts out well, to Kyle. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, I hope you're doing well out. Thank you for all the support. Um, so yeah, <laughs> there's so many things going on in this world right now. Um, let me ask you to this: Do you plan on going back to Ottawa? I know we diverted from the conversation a bit, but 
Do you two plan on going to Ottawa in the upcoming future to any other convoys? Like again, I'm trying to uh, get together a girls weekend <laughs> instead of going to like, you know, uh, clubs and stuff like that. We're going to be going to the convoy. So, yeah, I would like to experience, I would like to see and feel Canadian again, you know? Um, I just look forward to walking through downtown with the jerry can, whether it's full of diesel or not. I want to see what the how the police will react. Are you going back this uh, this weekend, Anthony? That is a great question, and I am not 100% sure on that. We will find out, and if I do go, I will talk about it on our next episode. you got to go. You so I, I'm not planning on going anytime soon, but never say never, because I've been to the three protests in the last three weekends. And each one of them, I said, I, I can't go. I got to put in time with the wife and kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you just, my wife came to the past too. She, she's so into it now. Um, yeah. So go, well, the, go ahead. The family that protests together stays together. Let's remember that. hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of Kyle and he has his mother's eye shape. He's definitely his mother's eye <laughs> There's no doubt that his mother is his mother, and and, and his yeah. father is his father. Yeah, there's no doubt there. <laughs> that is that is so funny. I just think it's such a hilarious. It's almost similar to Barack Obama because Barack Obama also has half siblings who will speak out against his policies. Actually, one very famously was a Trump supporter. Oh, really? Yes, yes. In fact, I'm going on Twitter right now. I want to find his account real quick. But um, yes, Barack Obama has a brother that criticizes his policies and supports Trump. That again, it 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 comes back to we. I hope I felt like racism was pretty much dead, and it has been rekindled by media and politicians in the past few years. But I remember in high school that racism was not. It was a, almost a non-issue. I went to a very multicultural high school, and it just was. It seemed like a non-issue. Everyone was friends with everyone. Um, but like you look at Jagmeet Singh, all he talks about is racism and his own brother, who is the same race as him, donates to the convoy. So it, it's it's just laughable that they're trying to divide people all about uh, along racist lines when your own brother is, is supporting it. Yeah. So, and speaking of Obama, I just want to say he was caught this past uh, week in his new property in Hawaii, buying beachfront property in Hawaii you know, global warming, such a threat, uh, maskless while his blue collared workers around him, the construction workers were wearing masks. That sounds like something another uh, U.S. politician did. Uh, I can name two politicians, actually, that broke their own mask rules. One being Gavin Newsom when he took a picture with Magic Johnson at a sporting event. And another being Stacey Abram when she was maskless, sitting around a group of children who were very clearly masked. Now, like, you know, if that doesn't come off as hypocritical, I don't know what does. Now, we, what, what, do you, what do you guys think of the people who are, okay, so, for example, I'm, I'm a big proponent, like, take the mask off, please, like, take it off. And then people say, oh, aren't you about freedom? You know, is it, aren't you about freedom and allowing people to choose? Now, of course I am, but it's still my opinion that you shouldn't wear a mask and, and I'm... I just, it is very frustrating to me that people want to hold on to this thing this badly to just, it's, there's no science behind it. They still want to um, wear it, even, even if the mask mandates drop and there's no science behind it. So where do you guys land on that? 
um, people with low IQs. Uh, I personally, my personal opinion is that the reason why they're not going to drop it is because they don't want to look like an idiot. They don't want to admit that they're wrong. I think the most powerful um, uh, feeling or the most powerful force in this world is pride. You know, there is that uh, famous saying that says that goes pride cometh before the fall. And I think that people who are going to continue wearing the mask or masks, probably maybe even for the rest of their lives, are they just don't want to admit that they're wrong. They don't they don't want to be proved that, you know, that they uh, were they bought into it. They don't want to be shown that they're idiots. They don't want to be um, uh, proved to be, you know, someone who is dare I say brain dead or something like that. Just, they just, they just don't want to be proven wrong. And it's, I think that, yeah, that's, and I don't think that's, I think that's the main reason why people are going to not stop. They're going to say, Oh, I don't feel safe or blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff. It doesn't matter. You could, we've seen for the past two years, you could throw every single fact, you could throw every single uh, study, whatever it is. And people will not believe not, not because that, uh, they don't believe in truth. In my opinion, is that because they don't want to be proven wrong? People cannot admit that they're wrong. That's, I think, the biggest problem with human beings. Mm-hmm. That's my personal theory. Like, like I, I almost think, like, again, I'm all about freedom. But if you're a teacher, you should not wear a mask in front of, like, it shouldn't be. Oh, you're free to wear a mask. The kids can't hear you, and their development is being delayed. So, yes, I'm all about freedom in your personal life. If you're, but they're. We need to go as far as to say, if you're teaching kids and you need to communicate with people or like if, if you're in a service industry, if you're communicating with people, you can't wear something over your mouth where people can't hear you. If Think of um, all the issues that, that can, uh, you know, with miscommunication that, that can arise, right? So if you're going to wear something that's going to impede it and there's no science behind it, I think there needs to be stipulations where it's like, no, if you're serving the public, you can't wear something over your mouth. But that's not asking yeah. for a lot. Particularly you, you if, you're, if, you're, if you're a teacher, we're paying you to make our children smart and they can't hear you and they get a wrong test, wrong answer on a quiz, on a math test or on a geography test or whatever, because you said something, but they couldn't hear it because you have an obstruction. That's that's your fault. And that's, that's also inhibiting the child's growth as what we're paying for it as taxpayers. Like it, it's that's actually I, if I was a parent, I'll be like, hell no. Some guy had a great tweet and he it was like, uh, I'm being taught advanced mathematics by a guy wearing a KN95 mask with another mask on over top. What do I do about this? And it, it's so true. It's kind of like, yeah, just how can you even teach something like this and not look at the data and, and, and know how, how useless they are? You know what? I actually, you, you two both bring up good points. I haven't thought about it from that perspective. And honestly, when you say it like that, yeah, I agree with you. But here's what I was going to answer before you hit me with those truth bombs. My mentality, you know, I like to think that we're all free to, to do as we please, right? And there are some people that are still scared. The, the people who I really frown upon are the people who will privately message me or pull me aside and say, Anthony, just so you know, I hate wearing this mask. I think they're stupid. They don't work. I think they're dumb and I, I don't want to wear it anymore. But then they go and continue to wear the mask every time they go out in public. Shame on those people. And the reason being, and I'm sure I'm triggering a bunch of people right now, but I'm going to fire away with it. If each one of those people took off their mask, who wanted to take off their mask, didn't want to wear it anymore. 
then all of the scared uh, COVID cultists, whatever you want to call them, all of those scared individuals that we just mentioned would eventually stop feeling scared. So it's a, you know, it's kind of like the first step into removing everything is everyone who doesn't want to wear it just simply don't. And it's funny, like I haven't worn a mask for a year and um, I, I've had almost no issues. I might've had two issues. Uh, and my wife, so she's only recently started to commit to it. You know, she would have done it the odd time and now she's committing to it. And she's like, everyone gives me dirty looks. And I honestly don't think anyone has given me a dirty look. So maybe. <laughs> maybe it's because she's a woman as well. You know, it's different with a man and a woman. It's, it's, it's the, 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 it's. I honestly won't some, disagree some of it is in your that. mind though. Sorry. Like, I, I won't disagree with that just because I find that like, I, I again, same with Ian. I, I find that I rarely have any problems, but you know, every time I talk to a, you know, female who doesn't wear a mask, I find that they're always saying, Oh, this person, you know, I feel, I feel like they're getting a lot more resistance than, you know, someone like myself or Ian. So I don't know if it's gender based and if it is look at all these misogynist mask wearers enforcing it. Yeah, <laughs> I think though some of it isn't in the mind that you just think people are giving you dirty looks or you, you know, so. People have given me dirty looks my entire life, so I'm used to it. Oh, yeah, but you, you no. deserve it. Pardon? <laughs> what did it's, you say again? You've got a very negative aura. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I radiate B-I-T-C-H. I, I radiate Cruella DeVille. <laughs> So just because I don't want to forget about the conversation that we had, um, Malik Obama is the name of Barack Obama's stepbrother, who is quite on the opposite end of the set of the political scale as Obama. I'm just going through some of his tweets now, and I know he was supporting Trump throughout the election. So, yeah, he's a lot of right wingers. He's following a lot of right wingers. Yeah, he's chirping Whoopi Goldberg. Um, he. Yeah, it's funny. This seems to be a reoccurring pattern, eh? World leaders having siblings who don't agree with their policies. How funny is that? Oh, look at Doug Ford. His own daughter doesn't agree with what he's doing. His whole, technically, his whole family doesn't agree. His all his daughters. I'm going to give you the tea right now. Um, allegedly, I should say allegedly, so I don't get sued. Allegedly, allegedly, his, uh, his all his daughters hate his guts. Um, and totally completely disagree with him. And allegedly, his wife doesn't really like him that much either. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. well my thoughts or prayers uh thoughts and prayers are with doug ford during these trying times um said nobody they, ever they've been on the record saying that they think that there's yeah it almost seems like the some of these world leaders that they're up against something that, that the world economic forum or someone is bribing them or um blackmailing blackmailing them it, it does seem like there's a and and I find, too, you can see, I don't know if it's cancel culture, but did you see, you know, Joe Rogan has been in, in trouble and like yep. Andrew Yang, The Rock came to his defense and then within like a matter of hours caved. So, so Andrew Yang came to his defense right away and caved within hours. And so it, it just seems like maybe it's, it's the, um, the avalanche of, of um, cancel culture that comes at you so fast that you're like i just can't handle it um so maybe you know doug ford you, you they're up against something a, a wave of something that they've either just say it's easier to just go along with it than to fight it or i, I don't know it's hard to say mm -hmm. let me ask you this question now 
So it's been two weeks since the convoy made its way to Ottawa. And for those of you who are tuning in who don't know the situation in Ottawa right now, we're hearing mixed reports. Like we're hearing reports of people, uh, police confiscating jerry cans full of diesel that is meant for the, the truckers. We're hearing that the city and the police are working to tow truckers, um, you know, get the trucks out of Wellington Street and whatnot. I even heard reports of uh, Ottawa police communicating with children's aid, uh, you know, talking about the the truckers who brought their families with them, saying that, you know, it's possible that children aren't living in, in safe environments. What do you guys expect with these protests? Do you think that, uh, like, do you expect a government clampdown or do you do you see the government wilting, uh, you know, following the will of the people like we're seeing in Alberta? I know, a loaded question, but... Uh, what do you think yeah, is going to happen? You think the government's going to clamp down, or you know, do you think that we're going to be able to pull through this one scot free? I think that these are all empty threats, and I think they're so out of touch. I've seen so many CBC, CTV reporters, and and politicians saying, um, you know, if the tow companies in Ottawa won't tow them, then um, cancel the contracts. Their contracts with the city. You have to be so naive and and, and out of touch. To think that that would have an impact. If you cancel the contracts with the city, who's the city? Like, how many companies can you go through before there's no one left to tow? There's no, like, you can't hire anyone, like, or no one, people will refuse in the future to work with the city, or these tow companies go to business. So then in the future, when you are stuck on the side of the highway and you need a tow, well, like, the, the, the city kind of canceled all the contracts with these companies and they went out of business. So you're out of luck. So they, it's, I think they're just completely empty threats, and that's what that's what they are. They're threats. They're they're to, to put out like they are doing something, or they're trying to do something, or to kind of kill the morale. I I think it's there's just nothing to them. What are your thoughts? I, mean, I don't really know, but I do agree with Ian when it comes to that. A lot of these are empty threats. Um, I I have been hearing that Trudeau will go. Uh, uh, Castro Jr. will go Castro will become Castro Senior and go full Castro and try and get uh, cops from all all over the country and try and create a squad to arrest as many people as they can here in 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 Ottawa. Um, and uh, that's what I that's what I heard from a few sources and I put that in quotation sources. I really don't know what is happening. To be honest with you, I don't know that much because I'm just getting conflicting reports. And, and also, I don't really follow mainstream media that much. I just see it on, on my feed, like on Twitter or on Instagram, um, to, just to, just seeing the headlines, what they write. You know, this morning I saw a headline from, I believe, the Globe and Mail saying that uh, uh, freedom is a threat to democracy. <clears throat> and I was just like, wow, you have to be you have to have the, the IQ of, a, a you know, of an orange to believe that and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just like but maybe it's, there's some people who do but I, again i don't i don't know what uh what is actually happening on the ground but i do I, know I, that there are bouncing castles and i'm like wow if i was a kid if there was a bouncing castle i'd be like party i i think too that there's too many fires to put out they can't because when you saw an anthony like in i'm sure in ottawa there was a lot of cops from london toronto so then when Toronto had their protests, like, like last week, there was no police presence in Toronto. There was a few, maybe 50 cops or 100 cops, um, but there was thousands and thousands of people. So I think that it's there's too many threats 
all across the country. There's too many uh, fires to put out. It's it's they can't, you know, okay, fine. You you can mobilize everyone in Ottawa. What happens in Windsor? And you mobilize everyone in Windsor. What about this Coots border? It just um what if there's another that pops up? Where what happened? I would love it if the BC Washington Seattle border that that gets jammed. And mm-hmm. also, I heard that there's. I saw that there were um, the Alaska convoys happening. The Alaskan truckers are going to the border um, up in the, uh, as well. I'm just like, wow. America's all over this, even though they like half the states is uh, are open and and they're still down to uh, help. They're them. obsessed with freedom. So many Americans I know are um, like the hardcore patriots. They're obsessed with freedom, and they're and some of them they're just like, how dare Canadians out freedom us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yes. right. That is right. We are finally outdoing the United States on something that isn't hockey. Shouts out to <laughs> Canada. Uh, but oh, I agree. Okay. I agree basically with what you two are saying in the sense that I think it's a log- it would be a logistical nightmare for the city of Ottawa or for the government to you know actually lift these convoys out of from where they are. I think they're empty threats as well. I just think it's despicable how children's aid is now being called in when I personally know parents that were bragging that they isolated their children in the room because they tested positive for COVID without symptoms. You know. It's, oh, it's, just, it's it's so rich that they, these people have been torturing kids for 23 months and now they pretend to care about kids. It is, uh, it's just gaslighting of the highest order. It's, yeah, it's, it's just, they, they, they have been destroying kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, in America, one in four girls now have thoughts of suicide, teenagers. In Canada, one in five teenage girls have thoughts of suicide. Um, self-mutilation uh, in teenagers have risen 52%. The average IQ for children now in North America has dropped 20 points. Um, children now have, uh, have uh, their anxiety has gone, has gone through the roof. It's all, all, all um, uh, psychologists, child, children, psychologists, everyone is reporting this. Uh, you know, I remember uh, seeing a post from a kids help, you know, in Canada, we have this thing called kids helpline. And they're just saying that the the flow the phones are flying. They cannot keep up. It's never ever been this busy in all children's uh, uh, helpline ever since the pandemic has started. We have literally um, destroyed an entire generation. I've been listening to uh, uh, stories of parents or uh, of just people in general. Like there was this um, construction guy who posted this thing on his TikTok saying like. You know, he took his mask off. He didn't want to wear his mask going to the grocery store to buy a sandwich. And then he saw a little girl who was about four years old and said, no, oh, look, no mask. He goes, and she goes, no mask. And then she said to him, I like seeing your face. And because and she, she hasn't seen a human face, you know, for for two years. And and the man start, almost cried on his TikTok video saying, what are we doing to these kids? The aftermath what we are doing to children and and what the hap- what's going to happen decades after this is just going to be felt for not i don't even think just decades centuries later like yeah. you know one two centuries later like it's like what uh, we're going to look back history is going to look back on it and going what the hell were all these people smoking like mm-hmm. what what were they thinking 
Yeah. Um, uh, and for our listeners as well, um, once you're done with this podcast, feel free to check out uh, one that we did uh, last month. It's entitled The Pandemic of the Paramedics, where, uh, you know, a, a paramedic who was terminated, her name is Scarlett Martin. She based, She tells us a story about how, you know, a child, she had to attend to an 18-year-old, uh, 18-month-old child. And the mother was explaining to, you know, Scarlett that, she wasn't sure how her baby was going to react because, you know, the paramedic Scarlett was the first human she had seen outside of her home. And that is incredible to think about because in my family, when a child is born, there is a lineup down the hallway of the hospital of family members, cousins and aunts that want to see this child. So and, so, and so how did the, how did the child react? To be honest with you, I don't think we went that big into the conversation. Uh, for everybody listening, feel free to listen and find out. Um, I can't let you know, Ian. Come on. We got to have a little suspense on this podcast. Listen to that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Heartbreaking. Scarlett goes into so many details and so many harrowing stories of her experiences during COVID um, and also just her experiences getting la- um, getting let go. Um, uh, and, you know, and it's just it's it's heartless. I mean, all of this stuff is that's happening um, all around the world and all these mandates and stuff like that is soulless. It's human. It's yeah. It goes against everything that's you know human and decent in this world. But uh, let's just let let's also talk about what's happening in Parliament. I would love to hear it with Ian's uh, take on you know the fact that Pierre Polyev has entered the Prime Minister race. Uh, You know we have a new interim Conservative Party. What's how's that going to affect the PPC? Uh, What also the fact that Justin finally came out of his bunker. There's two liberal MPs who have, uh, you know, kind of revolted against against him and maybe even more to come. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of fires that Justin is has to uh, put out and he's not putting them out. It, they seem to be getting bigger and bigger. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on some of them. Let's start with uh, Pierre um, now and uh, being the many people say the favorite in the Conservative Party to be, to be the leader and possibly the next Prime Minister of Canada? I am torn. I mean, Pierre seems like a good guy. <laughs> and, and and on my level of people that I don't trust and don't like, he, you know, I'd rather, I'd, I'm more concerned with the CBC and the Liberals and the NDP that, that are just constantly, you know, they're, they're more of a concern of mine, but it does concern me that he hasn't spoken up in 23 months and it only took the truckers for him to, you know, someone driving from Northern Manitoba in their truck to say, I'm not leaving Ottawa until you do something for him to say something. And this is the biggest issue of our time. And maybe, I, I think maybe Pierre, okay, let's say he does win or, or um, they want him to be the, the, the leader of the party. History will show that he didn't stand up during this time, that that he was quiet this whole time. Um, and I just don't think that bodes well. It, 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 history will have a way of sorting it out and the cream will rise to the top. And I think Maxim has been courageous this entire time. Maxim went to every tiny town, spoke to everyone. There's You can't replace, you, you know, Pierre looks really good on social media, but Maxim is out there speaking to every single person in the country. Mm-hmm. So I... 
again, it doesn't really matter to me uh, what they do. I, the, the Conservative Party, I'm just, it's not even a thought with me anymore. They, Doug Ford is a Conservative. Um, Aaron O'Toole was a Conservative. They, they passed over other great candidates like Max, like Leslie Lewis. Um, and so I just think it's, it's corrupt to the core. Like, it, it, that's where it's like we're not, this isn't a left-right debate. It's more a corruption and a, um, a tyranny debate. And I think they're still trying to salvage, uh, you know, kiss the ring. They're still trying to salvage the, the central banking system. And they're, they're not, they haven't gone uh, full freedom yet, let's say. And I just, I don't trust them. I don't trust them that they've been quiet for this long and it took them this long to speak up. Uh, yeah. And, you know, to, to pile onto that, let me say, obviously, myself and Ian, we're biased because we are candidates for a rivaling party. But I completely agree with what you have to say. In fact, I'm a little bit ticked off that the Conservative mm-hmm. Party has hopped on the bandwagon because people like you and I were out, you know, at the beginning of COVID to stand up against these mandates because we knew what was going to be ushered in. And as it was being ushered in, you know, we have seen conservatives like Pierre Polyev, like my local MP, Kyle, sit back, see back. Um, we have seen them either deflect or ignore the issues of vaccine mandates, as well as COVID mandates, as well as mask mandates, as well as the fact that they have given Justin Trudeau emergency powers. Um, so it doesn't seem genuine at all from Pierre Polyev. I just think that the conservative conservative politicians are political opportunists taking advantage of uh, what's going on in Ottawa right now to try to restore themselves and to try to take down Justin Trudeau. It does not seem genuine. It, it's funny. I met the candidate who ran in his riding for the PPC. He was a small business owner. Um, great guy. I can't remember his name. Because we, we only met briefly in Toronto at the uh, rally in Toronto. And I thought, I, I said to him, I'm like, man, why would you run against Pierre? But then, but then I just, it, it's like, uh, you just think for a second, it's like, he's been silent on the biggest issue of all time. We need people to run against him. You know, we need people yeah. to to wake him up, to to wake everyone up to what is going on and to, to speak up. Mm-hmm. And- in addition to all of that, I'm sorry, Pierre is not exciting. There isn't a single politician uh a single conservative politician in parliament that, you know, excites me, that gets me going. Mm-hmm. Um, the conservative party is full of, you know, just establishment or old, boring politicians. I can't see them being the future of, of Canada, really. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm not too impressed with what I have to see right now. However, let's say, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that Pierre Polyev ends up being the leader that we all want him to be and we can get out of this COVID disaster. But the reality is I just don't see him being genuine about it. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder if he was silenced and a lot of the MP, conservative MPs were silenced because I, I, I just know someone who was in the conservative party during the last election, uh, you know, helping drum up votes and stuff like that. And he told me that, you know, the powers that be, the higher ups at the Conservative Party, not not the MPs, but the people who run the Conservative Party, um, they uh, they are pretty. They 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 keep a tight lid on on their MPs and the people on there. So basically, forcing them into silence. I part of me part of me wants to believe that when it comes to Pierre and and Leslie and uh, as well, because I. I some some of the stories I've heard of Leslie, she seems like an, a fantastic woman, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, 
and I, I would, I, I personally would love her to be the the conservative leader, but I don't think that's that's going to happen. <clears throat> However, uh, I I just know that the people who run the conservative party, uh, they they are pretty strict, and they they They're run definitely that- being silenced. There's I don't think, but but who cares? Like they can still speak up. You know what I mean? They they just because someone's trying to silence them doesn't mean they have to stay silent. And I think that this is. Pierre has kids. This is the biggest issue of our lifetime, and we're destroying kids' lives. It's you can't be silent on this issue. Well, he has been silent. He's been silent about uh, the person who got ran over in Winnipeg by a far left activist for attending a freedom rally. He's been silent on the police uh, seizing diesel in Ottawa. He's been silent about the border convoys. Um, he, he's been silent, you know, if Pierre Polyev really wants to make a stink, I think that he should make a political promise to make vaccine mandates illegal. We see other politicians. Yeah, I think, I think any, any, I think moving forward, any medical mandate, it needs to be abolished. It should never, ever enter the chat. It should never, ever be part of the conversation moving forward in this country and worldwide. Yeah. Yep. Um, I know that Jim Carajalios is working on that at the provincial level. Um, you know, and don't get me wrong, again, for the people at home who don't know, you know, myself, Lucy, Ian, we've all received vaccines, you know, growing up. We, this isn't uh, an anti-vaccine stance. It's just a pro-freedom stance and against coercion. As we were mm-hmm. discussing before, so many people took these uh, COVID vaccines because they were coerced into doing so. I know some people, somebody that I work with of Indian descent did not want to get the vaccine, but you know what he had to, because he had a wife and kid in India and had he not taken it, he would not have been able to be with his family. Very inclusive, Mr. Trudeau. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also these mandates hurt um, ethnic minorities the most because they're the ones that, um, are least tr- in many ways least trusting of the government like and in a percentage wise they are the they have the least amount of vaccination uh, per- uh, percentage rates and not very inclusive but i mean this is a man who again wore blackface more than three times i'm like so we have to we, we should t- discuss something that happened in parliament that hasn't gotten much traction but last week a conservative mp brought a n- motion to um to say that in parliament, we will condemn blackface. Anytime blackface comes up or whatever, it, we will condemn it. And the liberals and NDP shot it down, shot that motion down. In fact, I have that um, on video, just in case it's erased from history or whatever it is, I have that video on me. Um, I downloaded it just to make sure that we have this uh, video evidence for future reference, because I mean, to, to not condemn blackface and the, the liberals and the NDP said uh, we're against that motion. So it didn't get passed through. And then literally that few hours later on, Jagmeet Singh goes on and talks about, you know, uh, how the truckers are racist and blah, blah, blah. And all this. I'm like, dude, literally five hours before that, you did not condemn blackface. You're did an you, raging hypocrite. Did you guys see his Freudian slip? no. Did you hear about um, there was an apparent like attempted arson at a building in Ottawa by the truckers? And uh, it was the story. It was just some guy initially tweeted it out. And it was one. It's a Jesse Smollett. He tweets it out. He in his tweet thread, he didn't say he called the cops, didn't call fire department. 
didn't do anything about it. You know, his first inclination is the next morning to just tweet about it. Um, and then it also says that the, the suspects, let's say, um, said, we're with the convoy. Uh, you know, because everyone, when you're committing a crime, you're like, oh, by the way, it's me. <laughs> it's me doing it. And uh, one of them was wearing a mask and not like a mask to hide their identity. They were, you know, they had a mask dangling down their uh, ear. So it was clearly, yeah, those those truckers who love the mask, right? They were. So anyway, um, his Freudian slip, though, was he was doing an interview and he said that we burnt down a building um, because we're frustrated with the noise and not they did. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> it just sounded so, the way he worded it, I, I, you'd have, if you Google it, you'd be able to find his, just Google Dagmeet Singh plus Freudian slip. It was shared by a uh, Yukon Strong. Um, but yeah, it's just, we, we burnt down a building because we were um, annoyed with the uh, noise. And, yeah, yeah, for anybody who doesn't know what Ian's talking about, there's a hoax going around Ottawa where, yeah, essentially they're trying to blame an arson and buildings, uh, an arson situation in a building on tractors when it clearly wasn't the case. I, I heard about that Freudian slip and I'm not surprised. Like, I'm wondering, you know what? In, in all honesty, I want this to be investigated. If somebody was committing arson in an Ottawa residential building, that is a mass murder attempt. There are hundreds of people that probably live in this building. So I want it investigated to the fullest. Witnesses need to be called. Uh, the police need to, we need to investigate why the police didn't even know about this situation. Can you believe that? Mm -hmm. And we need to investigate why the original person who leaked this story didn't go to the police right away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Instead of the police watching uh, a bunch of trucks park, they should actually get to work and mm -hmm. <laughs> look into an attempted arson. Exactly, exactly. Where are the priorities here? It's it's the same with the, if they, I'm sure if the police wanted to and cared, or or if there was the political will, they would have figured out who was the guy with the Confederate flag. They would have figured out who had the Nazi flag at the Shadow Laurier. I, I The Shadow Laurier has cameras everywhere. Imagine it's a luxury hotel in a very, um, you know, well, uh, well-known part of town. Um, so it's, I, I imagine they would be able to find out who these people are. And it, that's the funny thing is that us on the right, we, we would want to know as well. <laughs> but no one was saying, hey, that was awesome what they did. Hey, that was great that that guy had a Confederate flag. You know, what I, you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about the fact that 99.999% of flags that I saw were either Canadian flags, Quebec flags, or F. Trudeau flags. That surprised me too. How much uh, Canadian pride there was. How much it was the Canadian flag became the symbol of uh, of the whole movement. It, it wasn't. Um, it it was such a positive movement. It wasn't in. It's it's a positive movement that we're, we're rallying behind our country. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, and also I just wanted to point out that this movement is probably the biggest worker led movement, like working class people movements. In the, in the past 100 years yeah and, yeah, and, and yeah it's not and a lot of mainstream media is not picking up on it but also i wanted to say something when it comes because this is a working class blue collar uh movement being uh uh being created right now where the f is the ndp because they are the party for working class people they are always like we're here for the blue collar worker you know 
F the system, corporations suck, you know, you know, cap down with capitalism, all that stuff, unions, where are they? Because they're, they're not, they're not anywhere. They're, they're, they are literally, Jagmeet's just um, literally saying that they're all Nazis and, and that they're, um, uh, you know, uh, Hitler lovers and that they're, that they're, you know, racist and misogynist and they're, they're terrorists. So you're calling the people that actually technically, typically vote for you and who've been, who voted for you in the past, all these horrific names, all these divisive names. And, so, and honestly, where's, where, and also where's that, uh, the Ontario leader of the NDP, Andrea, whatever her name is. I mean, she's just as bad. She just needs, she does the exact same thing. And part of me wonders, wonders if she just gets the same marching orders and then she just, you know, just delivers it like, you know, like, you know, like an actor on, on a stage. I'm like, these are my lines and this is what I have to say. But literally where, where is the party of the working class people, the NDP? Where yeah. are they? Well, back when the NDP was the party of Jack Layton, Quebec voted overwhelmingly to support the NDP, which led to the NDP becoming the official opposition for the first time in Canadian history. It looks like Jagmeet Singh does not want to bolster his party up to that level. Yeah, his silence on these issues has been especially deafening. It, it, it is, a, again, like I don't think our mantra or my way of living has changed. That's the crazy thing. It's is that, yeah, the if they were true to themselves, they would have been skeptical of Big Pharma. They would have been, they would have at least cared about the contracts that Trudeau signed with Big Pharma. They would have, maybe they, uh, it just seems like they've, they're now just the party of the woke. Whatever the woke says yes. is their, is their mantra. It, it doesn't matter. It's, it's this non-thinking Borg. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter what their, um, uh, policies or anything it's just whatever the woke says or whatever's in the news they just whatever's the cool thing or the thing that the woke are saying they're on it and let's remember too like hundreds if not thousands i'm gonna go ahead and say thousands of nurses healthcare workers city officials unionized city officials unionized paramedics unionized nurses and doctors were laid off and the silence from the ndp was deafening Silence is violence. Silence is violence. <laughs> like I never thought in my life lefty liberals would be the party of the establishment. I thought that was supposed to be the, uh, you know, the old conservative tycoons uh, smoking cigars and doing uh, doing politics in the back room. But we're seeing that the lefties are in favor of those types of policies. Well, that's that's where there there has to be a connection that they're all voting the same way. They're all talking the same way. And even even Ford, who's opposition to Ford other than the new blue. It's, it's two parties that want to lock down harder, that want to test more, that want to vaccinate more. And so they, it does seem like they're all under the spell, this World Economic Forum. They're either useful idiots and they, they just believe it and they don't even know why they believe it, or they're being bought off and they've, they've bought into whatever the World Economic Forum is, is selling them. So, yeah, I don't know. Don't you, yeah. find, this, uh, don't you find what's happening now? It's kind of like... Uh, you know when you watch a murder mystery, and the the when they, at the end of the murder mystery they kind of say, you know they replay all the things that the culprit had done, where it's like, oh right, he did that. Oh right, yes that, and and you saw it the whole time. You know you watched the whole movie, you saw him do all those things, and then at the end you had to have it pieced together that yes it was them. To me that's what what Fauci and the World Economic Forum and all these people are doing. They're, they're telemarking 
they're saying what they're doing this whole time. Like in, in 2019, Fauci was saying that, hey, you know, there might, <laughs> there might be this virus where we have to do all these things. And like everyone better get prepared because it might happen soon. So it's yeah. they're, they're saying everything that they're doing. And Klaus, just- <laughs> yeah, Klaus Schwab actually has a book called COVID, The Great Reset. They literally call it the Great Reset. And all these people are like, where'd you get that conspiracy theory? Like, I'm like, literally, he wrote a book about it. Like, we're not, it's not, we didn't just pull it out of thin air. Like, he, and he has been calling it the Great Reset. Other people have been calling it on, on the World Economic Forum have, have been calling it the Great Reset. We haven't, literally, we didn't just like all, but all, but a bunch of tinfoil hat people just came together in a hotel room and said, what should we call it? What's the branding? What's the catchphrase? Like, no, like, like this came that he had, and the book came out like a month or two when COVID hit. Like, so you're like, whoa, like, what? how did it come out so quick? And how did you write it so quick? And like, how did you know? It, it makes sense so that they're getting just that one, you know, they might have that one conversation with you where it's like, oh, you know, Lucy's just crazy. Uh, you know, she, so, so they're only getting that one piece from the murder mystery, whereas like they need someone to kind of sit them down and, and piece every single thing where it's like, no, then they said this, then they said that. So. What, we, what we need is somebody with a, like a blank board and a bunch of yarn to piece everything together. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe that will help them figure it out. Um, I got to say, though. We have come a long way in two years. Like at the beginning, everybody was terrified. And I don't think the government has been able to gain support for COVID mandates since. Maybe maybe that's a far stretch to say. But I only know people who have become less scared of COVID-19 and more critical of the government. I've yet to meet anybody who has, you know, who is skeptical of COVID-19 policies and then jumped on the bandwagon, got triple vaccinated. So I think the government is seeing the writing on the wall and this trucker convoy is more than writing. It is a splash of paint on the wall. It is very obvious for the world to see. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And I also have to say, I think Justin is shaking in his boots. I think he's shaking in his, in in, um, whatever that cottage that he had renovated with our tax dollars but um you know i think i I, there's a part of me that thinks that you know he fears that the end is near Mm. and there's part of me too that fears that he knows the end is near and he still won't stop doubling down in his rhetoric so it makes you think what else is up his sleeve yeah even even if this whole convoy thing poof ended tomorrow there's egg on like he's lost his legacy, his everything. He will go down as the worst prime minister of all time. I'd have to go back, back and look through history, but just, it, it, it's, you can't get much worse than this, where there's this much of a rebellion on your hands. Um, mm-hmm. Especially in Canada, where people are pretty even keel. If I had a nickel for every time a prime minister named Trudeau divided the country, I'd have 10 cents. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, you know, it's so funny because back in the day, I used to look up to Pierre Elliott Trudeau, you know, I really thought that the uh, Constitution Act of 1982, the implementation and the entrenchment of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms was a pivotal point in Canadian history, guaranteeing our rights. And then here we are 30 years later with his son literally shitting on everything his dad did using the charter as toilet paper. Yeah, and also just want to let you guys give um, give our audience if they didn't know this update is that the last remaining person who helped create the Charter of Rights in 1972, or I believe, is actually suing the Trudeau government because of um, the violation of the rights, particularly the travel mandate. Because as Canadians, you know, we are allowed to crisscross this nation, this vast nation of ours, you know, from uh, Newfoundland to BC and no problem, unless you are a convicted killer or something like that, then that's a problem. But if you are just a regular law abiding Joe or Jane, like all of us, you know, you can go, you can, you can go anywhere. You can go on a plane, train, bus, you can car, you could just, you go to Saskatoon. If you want to go to Edmonton, you could, but now because of these mandates, you can't, you can't. And, the, and that's our right. That's our God-given rights as Canadians to go anywhere in this country that we want. And that's been taken away from us. And so the last man who created, the last remaining person who created the charter is suing the Trudeau government over this. Yeah, I'm actually just looking at the details now. Just did some digging. Uh, the former premier of Newfoundland, his name is Peckford. Brian Peckford. Brian Peckford, yeah, he he's the individual speaking out. And just to put into context for our viewers, uh, Newfoundland, half of the province and the most populous part of the province is on an island. And the only way to access that island for the most part is either through air or through a federally funded ferry. And as of right now, just like what Lucy said, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of newfies right now, unvaccinated Newfoundlanders who cannot leave that island. Like, they are basically being sequestered. Yeah, I never even thought about that. You're right. How? Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. There is good news, though. So they can actually swim. Newfoundlanders, you know, <laughs> can actually swim to the islands of St. Pierre and Macalon. Those are two French-owned islands just off the coast of, uh, of Newfoundland. And from there, they can fly to Paris. But God, unfortunately, they can't uh, catch a ferry to the other side of the province, though. So apparently I heard um, Brian Peckford, he's going to be in Ottawa this weekend. Oh, that'll be nice. See if we can get him on this podcast, too. We got a, a stellar lineup coming up, everybody. <laughs> yeah. No, that would be great. I would, yeah. Yeah. Again, the only person alive from that era who actually signed the charter is speaking out and saying that we have violated the very document that he signed. I think that's telling. Mm -hmm. all right everyone i think we are approaching the end of our podcast um ian thank you for being our first repeat guest on the people's podcast why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on social media so you can find me i'm most active on twitter at ian.roden.ppc and then i have instagram i don't know the handle off by heart find me on twitter that's where i like to have the most fun Twitter's fun I will I will put all of his because I follow Ian on social and I will put all of that in the um, description box for for our audience so they could follow you. But also, I have a proposal for you, Ian. Why don't you be a, a, a constant repeat guest? We could always just talk hot topics with you, all three of us, uh, you know, once every few months or something like that. 
Oh, I definitely want to come back for the uh, the teachers union one at least, because <laughs> I'm I, I think a big issue we're having now is public sector unions. I think that's something where we it's it's a conflict of interest, and um, that's something we have to have a good long look at. Just not negotiating with public sector unions. Just the the government creates a job, and if you want to work for the government, great. If not, you go into the wonderful world of the free market and and um, have your impact that way. But I just don't think it's it's a conflict of interest when these unions are electing uh, their bosses, essentially. That's a good way of looking at it. I never looked at it from that perspective. Yeah. Same. And by, by the way, also, the wonderful world of the free market is way better than um, working for a government job, in my personal opinion. I've done both. So... There's some good government agencies and there's lots of good hard workers in the government. It's just, again, the union sucks. They'll admit, the hard workers will admit the union is the, the beast yep. that destroys it for them. I've seen that as well. And I think that, like, it's not specific to unions. I think there's also a lot of, uh, like, it's not specific with unions and union leaders. I also see that happening, like, you know, at the management and senior leadership levels, um, you know, in, in government agencies. Anyways, though, Ian, I know you have children to tuck into bed tonight, so we won't keep you much longer. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, and I look forward to seeing you soon, hopefully in Ottawa. Amazing, amazing. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Pleasure. Always a pleasure, Ian. Absolutely. Okay, bye, everyone.